0: how thankful we are for you. That was a nice little video. We thank God for the children in our church and the E-Kids ministry. And we thank God for moms that love their kids and kids that know that. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, we would not be here if it were not for our mothers. We owe so much to them, not because they were perfect, but rather, God, because we need them so much. And even with all of their flaws as mothers, they are, have done so much for us. And Father, today we're here, it's a Sunday, it's a national holiday, Mother's Day, and we want to honor them. Father, we also want to worship you. We want to worship you, God, for who you are. We want to say thank you for our mothers. We want to do both of those. So Father, we come now to your word. We ask for your mercy upon us as we look to your word and we thank you Father so very much for adults who are being baptized because of their commitment to Christ we also thank you for children who are growing up being taught to honor their mothers Father we ask your blessing upon our time now In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, turn in the Bible to Proverbs 31. We're going to look at a different text today. Proverbs 31, if you didn't bring a Bible, it's page 606. I'm not sure if it's super duper loud out there, but it's super loud to me. It might be because the last time we used it, we used that black mic. Remember that? Does that need to be turned? Oh, good. All right. So we're going to take a break from the Gospel of Mark, and we're going to look at Proverbs 31, Mother's Day. I want to begin by saying, I wish my mom was here today. I will not be able to see her. She lives out of town, but I'm so thankful for her. I cannot express enough how thankful I am for for my mom. She's a good mom. She loved me well, still loves me, has always been supportive of me and pushed me to be the most that I can be, and I'm so thankful for her. Got to talk to her yesterday, got to FaceTime with her yesterday, and hope to be able to do that a little bit more today. I did, for the first time in many years, get my package mailed off in time. She received it yesterday. She usually gets those on like Monday or Tuesday after Mother's Day, but she got it yesterday, and so I'm thankful for that. Was able to talk to her, got her some jewelry, and she's wearing it to church today, and I thank God for that. I'm thankful for my mom I remember a time in high school, it was a game day, and so we usually had an hour or two after school before coach wanted us to be back at school. And I remember a time that I was going to leave school with a couple friends and ride up to her work to see her. I'm not exactly sure why I was doing that, Most likely, I needed some money, and so was running up there for her to give me some money. I can't imagine any other reason I'd go by mom's work uh, as a high schooler, and um, so that's what I was doing. And so I called her to see if she was there, if it was good, and that I was coming. She said, yeah, and I hung up the phone, and then I was about to get going that way, and 30 seconds later, she called right back. And she said, "Um, hey, I said, hey, we just got off the phone. She said, yeah, I I wanted to remind you, don't you come up here looking all raggedy. I've never forgotten that. I was probably 17 or 18 years old. It mattered to her what I looked like as I came to her work. I've never forgotten that. So I made sure that I didn't look all raggedy. It's things like that that have stuck with me for years about my mom and and so many others. A lot of times we are too judgmental of our mother's like we've expected them to be perfect. I want to remind you that nobody is perfect. We all have our flaws. The best of moms make mistakes. The best of dads make mistakes. The best of men and women make mistakes. and Nobody's expected to be. I want to remind you here today a great truth in Scripture. Parents do have a huge responsibility, but parents are not to be our saviors. Parents are not to be our lords. They're not going to do everything right. Jesus is the only one who can be everything to us. He's the only one who can be your Lord, God, and King of your life, and the Savior of your sins and your problems. Mothers are a gift to you from God, and they're there to do their best. Now, they, they, they need to be focused on that, But mothers should not be held in the place of God. They are to be mothers. With that said, mothers are to understand that they have a high responsibility. There's a lot there, a lot of teaching that goes in to being a mother, a lot of influence, a lot of impact. And so today I want to look at Proverbs chapter 31, which is regarded by many as the most important chapter in the Bible in regards to women. And you can easily take Proverbs 31 and say, here's what you're supposed to be like and here's all the things that you're supposed to be doing and that is not at all what this sermon is. I would imagine that many ladies here today who know what Proverbs 31 is about almost kind of hung their heads when I said turn to Proverbs 31. Here we go again. He's about to beat us down with another message on what a true woman of God is like. Not at all. Not at all. Mothers don't need that on Mother's Day. Proverbs 31 is interesting. interesting. If you look at verse 1, the very beginning of Proverbs 31, it says, The words of King Lemuel, so these are words from a king. Proverbs 31 is words from a king, but look what it says after that. This is an oracle that his mother taught him. So these are not the words of the king's mother. These are the words of the king as he is teaching us what his mother taught him. That's interesting, right? These are not the words of the mother. This is what the king is telling us his mother taught him. That's fascinating because that means it was said from her to him but now we're hearing it from him. You know, there's a lot of teaching and instruction and influence that happens in the world but it usually doesn't make it one more step. You ever heard of in one ear and out the other? We're hoping something sticks, right? And that's what this is. This is the king telling us what his mother taught him. Wow. I know he sat down and he wrote this, and so it's a little bit different, but if, if we had shot a video today of the adults, and perhaps we'll go for this next year, instead of the children ask simple questions like, what do you like about your mom, to where half of them said she cooks good. If we were to ask you, tell me something your mother taught you. I wonder what you would say. And I don't know if the problem would be more with the mothers and what they're teaching or if the children and how they accept the teaching. I don't know. But that's the setting of Proverbs 31. The king is telling us what his mother taught him. Read with me, if you will. We're going to read the first nine verses. The words of King Lemuel an Oracle that his mother taught him, what are you doing, my son? What are you doing, son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vows? Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth. Judge righteously. Defend the rights of the poor and needy. Proverbs 31 stops there, and then at verse 10, it goes into this poem that has 22 different lines in it about what the godly woman is like. So the king, beginning of verse 10, and I'm not going to read it because it'd be 22 more verses, but the king is recalling there this poem his mother gave him about what he should be looking for in a wife, what he should be looking for in a mate, what he should be looking for in the woman that he would love and commit himself to. You have that there at the end. What Proverbs 31 is, is a biblical mother's This is what she taught him. I want to sum it up in four points. The first is that she motivated him. She motivated him to live with purpose. The second is she warned him. She warned him to not live foolishly. She warned him to not waste opportunity. She warned him. Number three, she encouraged him. She encouraged him to make a difference in the world. And Number four, she instructed him. She instructed him to fear the Lord. You'll see these four points as we look to the Bible. Number one, she motivated him to live with purpose. Folks, mothers are to be motivators. Mothers are to be motivators. We ought to be living our lives thinking about what would mom be saying to me right now? We ought to be thinking, how did mom do this? What is her requirement? What would she think about this? If she was here, what would she say? I picked out my clothes this morning thinking of what mom would want me to dress like on Mother's Day. Moms are motivators biblical moms are they're supposed to be moms are the ones who have some expectations out of us and they're holding the bar high the homework should get done you should clear your plate you should do your chores you should you should you should and moms are the ones who are doing this this is a fascinating verse in the beginning of Proverbs 31 verse 2 all it is is mom three straight times yelling to her son It's not yelling but there's only the way you can say what three times what what What? What are you doing? Do something. Get up, son. What is going on with your life? That's the way I picture it. Now, it doesn't tell us that she's yelling, but in verse 2, there are three questions. What, what, what? And I'm not sure what you're doing with your life, sons and daughters and children, but it is good for us to hear our mom saying, what are you doing? I remember so clearly being a freshman or sophomore in college and two years into it and honestly no further along than where I had just begun. I had taken way more classes than I had accrued credit hours and things were not moving in any direction. And I was on summer break and mom and dad asked me to come sit on the back deck and they sat down and they said those very words, what are you doing with your life? I had no idea. But I remember very clearly them saying, what are you doing with your life? And I tried to answer, I don't know yet. And they answered back, you're going to know before summer's over. (laughs) They asked, what are you doing? See, getting on somebody like that, challenging them or pushing them, folks, is not a bad thing, right? Right? I hope you know that any employer that has an expectation and causes you to be to it is a good employer. Any coach that continues to expect more from you, more from you, more from you is a good coach. And so it is with a mom. A mom that recognizes the kid can't sleep all day. A mom that recognizes there are things to do. A mom that says, what are you doing? Moms are motivators. They motivate us to live with purpose. But I want to point out something else. The third question she asks is not just what or, or what are you doing, son, or son of my womb. There's obviously an affection there. The son is hers. It is her son. The son is hers from her womb, she mentions. And that she's recalling that it was nine months that you were inside me. If it weren't for me, you wouldn't even be in this world. Now, what are you doing with this life that you now have? But the third question she asks says, son of my vow." And moms, this is what I mean by a biblical mother. Not only was she his mother, but she was a mother that understood her responsibility was for her son to know God. Folks, let me remind you, God does not give us children for any reason other than that they would worship him. That is why God gives kids. All of life, is about worshiping God. If we have missed that, then at the very core, we've misunderstood parenting and motherhood. When she says, son of my vows, she is recalling to him that she has committed herself to God even with a vow that God, I will raise my kid to know you. It is one of the Ten Commandments, the most familiar part of all of God's Word. The Fifth Commandment says, honor your father and mother. God teaches us to think about our parents as we think about Him. She says, son of my vows. It it, it means to us that somewhere along the line, she has committed herself to God, and therefore she understands Even as I just talked about the baptism, she understands that it's not that I got baptized, it's that I am now a follower of Jesus. I am committed to God all the days of my life. She understands that. And so whatever it is in her life, even having a child, even having a son, even having a son that we could rightly assume is ranked much more highly than her. This guy is a king. Everybody else bows down to him, right? They don't speak unless he tells them to speak. Mom comes along and it's, What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? But she understands that this son, this king, was given to her for the worship of God. For him to not understand that is to bring about some challenging, some motivation. Son, What are you doing? And she says, Son of my vows. I want to remind you of a mother that we've already seen in Scripture who we see her make the vows. Do you remember Hannah in 1 Samuel with her son Samuel? Listen to this from 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 11. And she vowed a vow and said, O God, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant but will give to your servant a son. God, if you will give me a son, here's what she vows, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. Hannah made a commitment to God that if God gave her a kid, she would push him, motivate him toward God all the days of his life. It says later in the same chapter, verses 27 and 28 of 1 Samuel 1, she says, after God answers her prayer and gives her a child, here's what she says, For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition that I made to him. Therefore, I have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he is lent to the Lord. What a mother. A mother who has made a commitment to God that every aspect of the parenting would be built on god would be built on looking to god would be built on the teaching and wisdom of god the first thing that we see of this biblical mother's advice is that she is a motivator she's a motivator to the king to king lemuel that he would live with purpose that he would say to himself what am i doing what is my purpose here we need to have people in our lives that motivate us and nobody is in better position to do that than a mother one cannot underestimate the immense value of a godly mother. Just a couple weeks ago, we were driving home after church, or it was a Sunday, or maybe we had went to get some lunch or, or something like that, and I got a call from my mom, and she doesn't typically call on Sundays. We're driving in the car, and I answered it, and she said, how did, the, how did church go today? I said, that was pretty good, normal day. Sermon was too long. And uh, she said, I want you to know that I was up this morning praying for you that it would go well. I said, thank you, thank you so much. She said, you know that I do that every single Sunday, don't you? I'm up early before you preach, 1045, praying for you. Think that motivates me? Think that's pushing me to do a good job? You think that's reminding me that this matters, that I matter, that... Did I matter to you? Do you think that means something? Absolutely it does. Mothers are motivators. And here with King Lemuel's mother, she is motivating him to to live his life with purpose and she's just asking him questions. What, what, what? Not only is she a motivator though, secondly, she gives warnings. She warns him. If there's any part of the message today that you're not going to like, this is probably it. Mothers are to be those who are able to say, what are you doing, doing that? We need to hear a warning, folks. If there, if there is not warnings in our lives, then we are destined to hurt ourselves. Warnings are there to keep us from doing the wrong thing. Warnings are there to keep us from messing up. Warnings are there from going down a path that we should not go down. And no doubt, this is what she did. She warned him. She warned him to not live foolishly. She warned him to not waste opportunity. Look at verse 3. Do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. This is not at all trying to say that women are a problem. This is to say that uh, unhealthy living and relationships with women can be a problem. This is as much about the son as it is about the women, and I know you know what she's talking about. She warns him to not get caught up in relationships that are unhealthy, that are not honoring to the Lord, that are not good for his purity and good for his wholeness and good for his well-being. And I know a lot of times we'll talk about how sincere we are and how loving we are and how happy it makes me and all of that. But we need to be warned. If they're not of the Lord, then they're not of the Lord. We need a warning like that. How many times has somebody been in a relationship that they should not be in and everybody else around them is too hesitant to warn them that that's not a good relationship? I thank God for Lemuel's mother who was willing to say, be careful, watch it, stop. She warned him. But she didn't just warn him about his relationships with ladies. Then she goes on to something else. And, you know, alcohol is a big subject in the Bible. A lot of teaching here in Proverbs 31 on alcohol. Verse 4, it's not for kings, O Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine or drink strong drink or for rulers to take strong drink. Lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Strong drink has a place. Verse 6, give strong drink to the one who is perishing and wine to those in bitter distress. Let them drink and forget their poverty and remember their misery no more. She's warning him that he would be wise, that he would be something that the Bible uses many, many times, that he would always be sober-minded. To be a king means you have all sorts of responsibility, and with high rank comes high responsibility, right? To whom much is given, much is required, the Bible would say. There is never a time when you have a responsibility where you can just lapse in sound judgment. There is never a time when you can say, I'm going to take today off, or I'm going to take this Friday night off, or I'm going to take this moment off and just kind of let loose for a while. There's not. And this mother is warning him to not do that. Maybe there's a place for some people to be drinking, but not you, king. There are times when you're not who you're supposed to be when you get into drinking, and she warns him from that. It looks like there are two big warnings here. Unhealthy, intimate relationships and out of control drinking. John MacArthur says though that she was warning him against four things. She was warning him against immorality. She was warning him against overindulgence. She was warning him against unrighteous ruling and she was warning him against indifference to those in need a biblical mother warns her children I want to ask you do you warn anybody have you ever with the utmost sincerity looked somebody in the eye and said you know I love you but what you're doing is wrong you know I love you but what you're doing is going to hurt you You know I love you, but what you're doing is not good, it is bad for you. Have you ever warned anybody? We need to be warned. A few months ago, in the NBA basketball season, Shaquille O'Neal, I think you know who that is, Shaquille O'Neal got into a big fight over social media with a current player. Shaq is retired now and is a commentator on television, and he got into a fight on social media with a common player, and it got pretty bad. It got pretty ugly. They were saying bad things to each other. A current player that's not nearly as good as Shaq was, and the Hall of Famer Shaquille O'Neal on social media were really going at each other through social media, and it was pretty ugly, and it was unfortunate. Shaq should definitely be above that, but it kept going for days. And then finally, a Thursday night NBA on TNT came on, and Shaq, out of nowhere, kind of against the way the past couple days had gone, said, I want to apologize. I'm finished. You'll never hear any more about it. So the other guys on the set said, wow, you've changed your tune. What happened? My mom called me. That's what he said. Seven foot one, 350 pound, Shaquille O'Neal got a phone call from his mom. Multi-millionaire Shaquille O'Neal got a phone call from his mom. Son, you don't do that. It's over, stop it. And he did. And he listened to her. She warned him, this isn't how you're going to act. And he stopped. You know, we need to recall, we need to learn here that the Bible is all about us warning people. This is a message of the word of God that people need to be warned. We need to be warned about making bad decisions and warned about the people we hang out with and we need to be warned about how we spend our money. We need to be warned about the relationships that we get into and the the sexual sin that we're involved with and the, the abuse of alcohol that we may struggle. We need to be warned about that. But we also need to be warned about God. We need to be warned about sinning against God and being brazen against Him and being prideful and not worried about fearing Him and not worried about facing the judgment. We need to be warned about those things. We need to be warned. You know, something I've come across time and time again as a pastor is a scenario like this where there are children or young people or even kids into their 20s who are just living careless lives that are going in the wrong direction, caught up in this and caught up in this. And maybe it's that they're, 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 they're living in the basement playing video games all day. They don't want to work. Maybe it's that they're, they're too lazy to work. Maybe it's that they're in an unhealthy relationship. They're in sexual sin or they're out of control spending or they're caught up in this or they're caught up in that and they have it all the time. And you know what the parents are arguing with them about? going to church or not. See it all the time. The parents are not confident enough or bold enough or strong enough to be able to meet them early on with, here's what's wrong. Maybe it's a good move if somebody's far from God that they don't go to church. Maybe that's a good move on their behalf. Maybe they don't want to be a fake or a phony or a hypocrite or something like that. The issue with many of our children is not going to church or not going to church. The issue with many of our children is that their lives are raging against God Almighty and nobody's warning them against that. King Lemuel's mother didn't cut corners and say, I'm just so proud of you. You're a king now. You've got nations that bow down to you. You can buy me anything you want me to. I'm just so proud of you. No, she's blasting him here because even though he's the king, he's with women he should not be with and so he needs to be warned. She's blasting him here that there are times in his life where he drops his guard and gets caught up in too much alcohol and he doesn't act the way an authoritarian leader, representative of people, responsible for for people, kings should be. There is a responsibility to our lives, and she's saying to him, I'm warning you against that. We need to remember as parents and as adults that the people around us need to be warned. Now, notice that this is the second point out of four points. You're not to be only a warning running around just being mean to everybody. That's not who you're supposed to be. I'd imagine, like our kids said so beautifully. That even with the warnings that you're giving to our kids, that we would be telling them how proud we are of them and how much we love them, and you're playing with them and cooking food for them and watching TV with them and all the things that they said. But don't mistake, parents, please, don't mistake that warning goes along with that. She warned him to not live foolishly. She warned him to not waste opportunity. Thirdly, she encouraged him to make a difference. I love this point. She encouraged him to make a difference. Absolutely fascinating that this is included in Proverbs 31. Look at verse 8. Open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of Of the poor and needy. She encouraged him to make a difference. Godly biblical mothers raise their children to be confident in the Lord so that they can focus on others. Notice here, in just two verses, verses eight and nine, she brings up, listen to this, she brings up the mute. She wants her son to be aware that there's some people that can't speak for themselves. If God's given you a voice and a brain, son, then you must be using it for other people. I wonder how often we ever get to teaching our children that. She says to speak up for the mute. She says to speak up for the rights of all who are destitute, those who are perishing and declining, those who are not doing well. Speak up for them. Speak up for the poor. Defend the rights of the poor. Defend the rights of the needy. She wanted her son to be involved. Listen to this. And not just his own well being. Folks, we need to hear this from the Word of God. She did not tell him, she did not pump into him, be concerned about your own well being. You don't even find that here in Proverbs 31. But she mentions those who are lowly and destitute and marginalized and who aren't involved. She mentions those who don't know how to stand up, don't know how to get out, don't know how to get better, don't know how to do any more. Speak up for them, get involved, defend them, she says. All the time, we hear parents trying their best, pouring into their children, teaching their kid to be their best, do your best, work your hardest, do all of that. You, 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 and that's a part of it, and I'm proud of that, and I, I like it when we do that. And we're teaching them how to be the best, to be the best classmate, or be the best coworker, or be the best teammate, or something like that. Or to be the best player or worker or student, but we don't include there, excuse me, we don't include there teaching them to be the best classmate or the best coworker, or the best teammate. And so what's happening without us realizing it is sometimes, and not even all the time, but sometimes we really do influence and push and cause them to excel at what they're excelling at or excel at what we've pushed them to. Sometimes we have caused people to be good with their money, or good at their work, or good at their job, or good at their sport. And sometimes we do, and we get so proud about it because we push so hard for. We say, I worked so hard on that. And in the midst of all of that, we've neglected the Bible's teaching time and time again of other people, other people, other people, other people. And the Bible is a broken record, if you will, about the one and others. Love one another, serve one another, help one another, think of one another, deny yourself for the sake of other people. And the Bible says it over and over and over again. And we're so into wanting our kid to just be the best they can be that we have neglected them being the best that they can be in regards to other people. And so what ends up happening is we have created a self-centered people who know how to do them well, but they don't know how to do godliness well. They don't know how to be focused on others. Here she encourages him to make a difference. She encourages him to look around Parents, we need to be those who encourage our children to be a good friend. Encourage our children to be a good teammate. Encourage our children to do what Philippians 2 says when it says, look out for the interest of others more than yourself. This is how you make a difference in the world. Doing your very best in your own little circle and yet failing to relate or love or connect to anybody else may ultimately be good for you, but may be bad in the long run. Notice here in Proverbs 31 that she's speaking to a king, and she is getting on him, encouraging him, To care about others, the least of these, the mute, the destitute, the poor, and the needy. When was the last time you had a conversation with somebody in your life about what they're doing for the poor? When was the last time you had a conversation with a kid that's in school about who in your class looks like a little less fortunate than us that we might do something for them? How many times have you seen a kid come up on a birthday and they're about to get 10 presents or come up on Christmas and their list is that long? And they say, Mom's getting me this, and Mom's getting me this, and Mom's getting me this, and Mom's getting me this. And you say to them, okay, what are you getting her? And they say, nothing. Folks, that type of a focus is encouraging them, whether you realize it or not, to be extremely self-centered. And King Lemuel's mother knew this. She encouraged him to make a difference in the world. If we'll open our eyes and look around, we will see that there are needy people all about us, and we need to hear the biblical mother's advice that we should care about that. We should want to be involved. She motivated him. She warned him. She encouraged him. And then number four, she instructed him to fear the Lord. Here's why I say this. After verse nine, she breaks into that poem about a woman who fears the Lord. And it's this great description of what a good, godly woman looks like and how devoted she is. You know, the one takeaway from Proverbs 31 and the passage on the woman is not so much how godly she she is, right? People have really missed that. It doesn't talk about she reads the Bible every day or she spends time in prayer, she always goes to church. It doesn't. It shows how she's all in on her responsibilities. Listen, to to her husband, to her children, And to her God. You get down here to the very end of it though. Look at verse 30. Such a great verse. Verse 30. The very end of the whole book of Proverbs. And it says. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord. Is to be praised. As The king is looking for a mate, a soulmate, if you will, a wife that he might take forever as his. As he is looking for his match, he is looking for, she says, a woman who fears the Lord. On his checklist of what he's looking for in a a mate, his mother reminds him a woman who fears the Lord. She instructed him to fear the Lord. In our passage that we read here in the the beginning, the New Testament passage, we read from 2 Timothy. And I want to recall uh, 2 Timothy and what it says about being focused on the Lord and how the influence of your mother does that to you. She instructed him to fear the Lord. And we know this about Timothy. And Timothy was this great minister, this young man, that Paul is passing the ministry on to. And in Second Timothy chapter 1, it says this, I am reminded of your sincere faith, of faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am sure dwells in you. The Apostle Paul knows that Timothy is a man of God because he can remember his mother and he can remember his grandmother and their influence upon instructing him. He says it again in chapter 3, if you look there, Second Timothy chapter 3. Verse 14, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it and how from childhood you've been acquainted with the sacred writings, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul is reminding him that from his whole childhood, he is familiar with the word of God, with the goodness of God, with God as Father, with fearing the Lord. King Lemuel is doing the same thing here recalling that his mom taught him that. With the book of Proverbs ending this way, here's what we see that the book of Proverbs, the whole big book, 31 chapters on wisdom, it ends the same way it begins. Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, the beginning of the book, says this that the fear of the Lord, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. If you want to be wise and live your life the right way, you are to seek the Lord and understand what He says about life. If you want to be foolish, then you will rebuke instruction. You will will ignore teaching. You will ignore those things. You'll say, no, I I know what I'm doing. That's how Proverbs begins, but that's also how it ends. D.A. Carson says that true wisdom and the fear of the Lord are not mere intellectual qualities, and we see this in Proverbs 31. Proverbs 31. They are a way of life. We see it pictured in the godly woman of Proverbs 31. She instructed him to fear the Lord. There are a lot of things that he could be looking for in a wife. 22 verses, if you will. All sorts of things like the type of mother she is and the way that she looks and the way that she works and the way that she thinks and the way that she sleeps and the way that she dresses and all of that stuff, the way that she talks and all of that is there in Proverbs 31 climax of it all is what we see there at the very end of verse 30 a woman who fears the Lord moms and dads we must 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 be about a lot of things as parents parenthood is difficult it is such hard it is so hard we also must understand that the most important thing is teaching them to know God Instructing them to fear the Lord. A few years ago, Billy Graham's wife passed away, Ruth Graham. And y'all know that I I like funerals. I know that's a little bit odd, but I like going. It it, it impacts me so much, and I get to go to a lot. Went to one Wednesday, went to one Thursday, went to one Friday this week. So I like to hear what people are going to say. And I don't know if you've ever seen it before. But Ruth Graham and Billy Graham's children stood up. They said several things, but what I took away from it was so fascinating. They said, and I quote, We love the Lord because of her. She taught us to love God. It is beautiful. It is a beautiful eulogy. Listen to me. It is a beautiful eulogy. For a child to say, She loved me. Right? And we just saw an eight minute video of 20 different kids saying, She loves me. Not a single kid said, She's teaching me to love God. Now they're young. We got a long way to go yet. This is what motherhood is about. We've got some young men that are sleeping behind the church these days, addicted to heroin. I know these guys from years back. They're not there every night. We're handling it the right way. We've had the police involved, and we love those guys. The other day I asked them if we could go out to lunch and we went. Had a great talk. They opened up to me a lot. I was talking to them about what it's like to be addicted and how could I help them. And That's a tough thing. Hard to help somebody that's addicted to heroin. They were almost literally looking at the time that they could get away from me so they could hurry up and get their fix. They so said they would not be able to make it Two more hours without getting back to it. That bad. When I came back here and dropped them off, we had talked about anything and everything, and I had listened to them for a long time, and I had poured out my heart to them about, I want to help them, we're here. I told them that you guys love them so much that y'all would, y'all would pay for me to take them out to lunch any day they wanted me to. Because I know y'all would. When they got out of the car, I reminded them that already in my short career, I've done multiple funerals for drug overdoses. Multiple. Some that those guys know. Their peers. So as they got out and they told me that's where they're going, I asked them eye to eye, am I going to do your funeral soon? I kind of shook them up and they said, Man, I hope not. He said, man, I'm going to get out of this. I don't want you to do my funeral. I said, how are we going to get out of it? I want to help you. He said, we don't know how to get out of it. I said, well, listen to me. I don't want to do your funeral for two reasons. One, I like you guys. I'd like to go to White Castle again soon with you all. We're friends. The second reason is, you're not ready to meet God. You're not ready to meet God. And folks, they know, I know, I want you to know, I'm not saying they're not ready to meet God because they're on drugs. They're not ready to meet God because they don't know God. We've talked about that. Please do not hear that I'm saying they're not ready to meet God because they're on drugs. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not judging them in that way. They're not ready to meet God because they're not ready to meet God. They don't know Jesus. They haven't sought forgiveness of their sins. I said to them, I'm here for you. Please know that I'm here for you. Don't let yourself die without being ready to meet God. When we talk about being a mother or a father, There's love there. There's time spent there. There's cooking good meals for them. There is motivation there. There is warning there. There is encouragement there. But folks, there must be instruction there to know the Lord. I thank God that this big king, King Lemuel, knew his mother taught him to fear the Lord here's what I mean with fearing the Lord God is God he's your maker and you're going to stand before him one day and the only way that we will go to heaven and be at peace is if he has forgiven us of our sins and the forgiveness of sins comes through Jesus dying on the cross And whoever believes that and goes to the Lord and said, God, forgive me of my sins, that person will be saved, will be right with God, will be in heaven. May it be that all of our parenting and all of our fathering and all of our mothering and all of our adulting, if you will, be about motivating, be about warning, be about encouraging, and be about instructing people to know the Lord. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for Mother's Day. And thank you for an opportunity that we would uh, take a step away from the gospel of Mark and look to the scriptures. God, thank you that in the joys of life and funny videos about children, we also have, God, heaviness like young men in our midst, on our property, that are open and honest about being in a destitute position. Father, help us to look to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.